morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, February 15th. On this date in 1964, one act became the first to have five songs on Billboard's Hot 100 list. Can you guess who placed so many hits at the top of the charts? I'll have that answer coming up. But first... Let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Wednesday forecast. And good Wednesday morning to you. Meteorologist Joey Silvide starting out a little cool this morning. Grab a jacket as you head outside mid-70s at lunchtime. We go in the upper 70s for highs this afternoon. Cooling back down this evening into the 60s. We'll wind up tomorrow morning in the 50s. Milder mornings over the next couple of days. And very warm afternoons. We'll be near 80 degrees tomorrow. Small chance of a shower. See, we kicks off on Friday. We'll be around 73. Now, cold front will come through with some scattered showers behind that cold front. We'll cool down for the weekend. Morning's much chillier. High at 60 with sunshine Saturday. 67, small chance of rain on Sunday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. We're expecting a pivotal day in the courtroom as the state could rest its case against Alec Murdoch. The former attorney accused of killing his wife and son a year and a half ago has maintained his innocence. He says he was visiting his parents when Maggie and Paul were gunned down on their hunting property in rural Colleton County. Now, Nick Reagan, he joins us from the courthouse this morning. Nick, uh, how close to an end of this trial are we? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Katie and Aisha. We are on day 18, and earlier last week, the state said that they could be wrapping up their case, finish calling all of their witnesses as early as today. Now, yesterday, one of their witnesses was not able to appear in court, so that could push the timeline back just a little bit. After the state rests, the defense will says that it needs about a week to call its own witnesses, uh, so there's still plenty of trial uh, left for sure, but both sides, they expected the trial will be in the hands of the jury sometime next week. Yesterday, court began with the defense cross-examining the forensic pathologist who did the autopsies of Paul and Maggie, Dr. Ellen Reamer. Now, they attempted to poke holes in her conclusions and suggested that the shot that killed Paul may have come from another direction. Um, well, I, I would say that um, people can disagree, um, but that doesn't mean that um, doesn't change the truth. <laughs> now, also on the stand was Maggie's sister. She testified to encouraging Maggie to go and stay at the hunting property with Alex the night of the murder and uh, relived the moments that she learned her sister had been killed. She also said that the family had a wonderful relationship, but also was confused that Alex's main concern after the shooting was to clear Paul's name in the boating crash case and not find the person responsible for the homicides. I think everybody was afraid, and um, Alec didn't seem to be afraid. The defense also opened the door for the suicide for hire case to be used. Murdoch is accused of asking a man named Eddie Curtis to shoot him just months after the double murders so that his remaining son could inherit his life insurance policy. Now, there has been a lot of speculation about if the suicide for hire case would be admissible and whether or not Curtis might testify. Now that the judge has allowed some testimony on that incident, we may yet see 
Curtis take the stand. Now, while the uh, state could rest its case today, uh, there's still a, a lot of putting the pieces together before we get a full picture of what it is that uh, the the state is trying to prove. They've attempted to prove motive, means, and opportunity, but right now we're just seeing the tiny details. They're holding their cards pretty close to their chest, and we likely won't see a full laid out case until closing arguments. Of course, the defense will get its turn to lay out its case uh, sometime later this week, uh, possibly. Court will resume at 9.30, but the jury won't be back in the room until about 10.30 this morning. Katie, I issue back to you guys. Well, the Collinton County Sheriff's Office is investigating an accidental shooting that left a woman injured. Deputies responded around 8 o'clock last night to the Dollar General on Ace Basin Highway. That's in Jacksonboro. They say the woman was conscious and alert before she was taken to a nearby hospital. Her current condition is unknown. Law enforcement says they're being told this was an accidental shooting, but they're continuing to investigate. Police say a 19-year-old man has been arrested in connection to a deadly shooting in North Charleston. Police say Terrell Washington Matthew is charged with murder and possession of a weapon during a violent crime after that deadly shooting at the B&M Mart on Reynolds Avenue. Police responded to a call of a person being shot on Sunday. When officers got to the scene, they say they learned a woman had been shot by a man on a bicycle. That woman died from her injuries. After further investigation, Washington Matthew was identified as that man on the bike. Detectives and members of the FBI gang task force found him and arrested him yesterday. Well, two women are facing drug trafficking charges after police say they were found with more than 100 pounds of marijuana at the Charleston International Airport. Now, 30-year-old Carrie Pearson and uh, Kenya Hare, they were arrested by airport police just after midnight early Monday morning. Police believe the drug that drugs, uh, they were estimated value of $114,000. Hare was released on a $200,000 bond. Pearson is st still being held on a bond of the same amount. Nearly 50 cats have been recovered from a so-called cat sanctuary in St. Stephen. When they got there, officers with the Berkeley County Animal Control discovered those cats in really bad living conditions. Some were inside a rundown trailer, others were living outside. Officers ended up seizing 49 cats who were in really bad health and 23 others who were found dead inside the structures at the location. Now, the cats were taken to the Berkeley Animal Center. Ten of them had to be put down because of just how bad their conditions were. The rest of the cats are being cared for by the staff. They're currently stable. The shelter is now asking for donations to help care for them until they're nursed back to health. The homeowner, Suzanne Melton, was cited with 20 counts of inhumane treatment of an animals, according to deputies. Officials in College and County say their students are succeeding and they have the numbers to back it up. Yeah, they say according to data in their mid-year reports from an online assessment program, they started using this school year called iReady. Anna Harris has a breakdown of what these numbers are and what they mean for the future of the school district. Students took an assessment at the beginning of the year as well as another one in December to see where their performance lies. Although the district says that the success rates are improving, there's still a huge concern for just how many students are performing below their grade level. iReady is an online assessment program that Collison County Schools started this year to monitor a student's progress in language arts or math. 
Out of the 3,303 students that use his program, the data shows that 16% of students were mid or above grade level or early on grade level for language arts in the fall. That percentage increased to 25% by December. 6% of students were mid or above grade level or early on grade level for math in the fall. And in the winter, that number rose to 15%. Although the district says they are happy with the improvements, they say they are still concerned about those at below grade level. For example, 48% of students in iReady were performing two or three grades below grade level in language arts in the fall. However, the number went down to 43% by the winter. Similarly, 55% were performing two or three grades below grade level in math in the fall, but 47% by the winter. The district says as students continue progress at this rate, they say they should see a stretch growth of 27% district-wide for language arts and 18% for district-wide for math. This is a 6% growth difference from what they would normally see. Hopefully make sure that more of our students reach their stretch growth and that we're providing some additional opportunities for instruction. The district says they will now implement standards mastery to ensure that all of their students will receive grade level content and that their test questions will better align with the SC Ready exams. In Walterboro, Anna Harris, Sly 5 News. A former South Carolina governor is making a stop right here in the Lowcountry today. Nikki Haley, she's expected to talk about her 2024 presidential campaign today in downtown Charleston. The visit comes after she announced her bid yesterday. Now, Haley is the first Republican to jump into the 2024 presidential race this year, facing former President Donald Trump. Senator Lindsey Graham has introduced a bill he says would reform broken border policies and stop what he calls the rampant abuse of our asylum system. In a press release, Graham says the Secure and Protect Act would modify U.S. law to allow migrant families to be held together safely for longer than 20 days and require families to be processed swiftly as priority cases. It would also appoint 500 new immigration judges and support staff to reduce the current backlog of cases. There's no word yet on where this bill stands right now. As Republicans in South Carolina are working to impose tighter restrictions on abortion, Democrats are now pushing a Reproductive Freedom Bill of Rights Act. It would codify Roe versus Wade protecting abortion access before fetal viability, but banning late-term abortions. They would also require insurers to provide coverage for abortions and related services, medical procedures to prevent pregnancy like vasectomies and assistive procedures like in vitro fertilization. Today, the House is scheduled to begin debate on legislation to ban most abortions from conception days after the Senate passed a six-week ban. Meanwhile, some Republicans at the State House want people in South Carolina to be able to carry concealed loaded guns without needing a permit or training. The bill would establish what's known as the constitutional carry or permitless carry here in our state. Under the bill, people in South Carolina could carry concealed loaded guns without needing a permit. The bill would also set mandatory penalties for people unlawfully carrying a gun after they've been convicted of certain crimes. Supporters say it protects Second Amendment rights and Democrats fear that proposal could jeopardize how police officers determine who has a gun and who doesn't. Now, the bill would now be up for debate in the House. The Isle of Palms Police Department wants to make people in make sure people in the area know what to do 
if and when they come in contact with a coyote. That's why the department is hosting a meeting on these animals next week. Yeah, they will be joined by the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources to share knowledge on how the animals act and what to do. Samantha Popovic, she joins us live now from the Isle of Palms. Samantha, so why are officials encouraging people to listen in on this meeting? Good morning. Good morning. January through March is coyote mating season, which means in May we can expect about five to seven pups which live in these dens. The Isle of Palms Police Department says residents should know to safely deal with a coyote, which are most commonly seen at night if they ever come in contact with one during these months. Isle of Palms Police Chief Kevin Cornett asks the public to call the police department when they see coyotes so they can be aware of areas they are roaming. He says coyotes are most likely to be around the northern tip of the island in the dunes where small prey is and no humans. He also says the police department will haze coyotes, meaning make a lot of noise if they see one and advise the public to do the same. What we do is we ask our residents or people who are visiting the beach when they see a coyote, um, we call it hazing. And it's really just making a lot of noise, you know, whistles, uh, the clapper type devices where when you smack them together, they kind of sound like a clapper or just making loud noises in general. Uh, the thing to remember that coyotes are really afraid of humans. The meeting is happening next Wednesday at the Isle of Palms Recreation Department at 5 p.m. Cornette says if you attend, you will be given a brochure on how to deal with coyotes if you ever come in contact with us with one and says to check out um, their official website, which can be found at our website on this for the city's mission plan on how to deal with coyotes. Reporting live, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. A Lowcountry nonprofit is asking for the community's help to fund a new pedestrian bridge in North Charleston, but it's not money that they're asking for. Charleston Moves is asking for what they're calling letters of support. The goal of the letters is to better the county's chances of getting selected for a grant that will help fund the bridge. Our Molly McBride joins us live now. So Molly, who specifically are they looking for to write these letters of support? Good morning. Good morning, ladies. I spoke to Katie Zimmerman, the executive director of Charleston Moves, which is a nonprofit that often advocates for bike and pedestrian safety across the low country. She says they're asking for letters from organizations, neighborhood associations, government agencies, houses of worship, and nonprofits in support of Better North Bridge. On January 31st, Charleston County was given the green light to reapply for a federal raise grant for the bridge. The last application was denied, but Zimmerman says it's not uncommon to have to apply more than once. Right now, there are three alternatives up in the air for the design of the bridge, but all three are standalone bike pedestrian bridges. One option, a bridge with two routes that end in separate places in North Charleston. The second option, one bridge that crosses over the I-26 interchange. And the third option, a bridge that uses elevators and ramps to cross over I-26. Zimmerman says the majority of public comments, as well as Charleston moves, favor the option that ends in two separate places in North Charleston because it makes it easier for people in North Charleston to access the bridge, which she says is so crucial. Zimmerman says the existing pro bridge is deadly. The county's website for the project says since 2015, four people have lost their lives either bicycling or walking on the bridge. It is so dangerous and so scary. People 
they're not doing it for fun. They're doing, they're crossing it out of desperation. It's that's the option they have and they have to get across. So whatever we can do as a community to fix this as quickly as we possibly can. She says the letters are very helpful to show the U.S. Department of Transportation, who will be reviewing the application, that there's a widespread and bipartisan level of support for the bridge. They're accepting letters until February 21st. Anyone interested can email info at charlestonmoves.org. Reporting live in North Charleston, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I mentioned that on this date in 1964, one act accomplished something no one else ever did, getting five songs on Billboard's Hot 100 list at the same time. As I tell you the songs, I'll bet you'll know the artist, but here it goes. The songs were My Bonnie, Please Please Me, She Loves You, I Saw Her Standing There, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. By now, you know we're talking about the Beatles. Celebrating birthdays today, singer Melissa Manchester is 72. Actress Jane Seymour is 72. The Simpsons cartoonist Matt Groening is 69. Actor Michael Easton of General Hospital turns 56. Actress Renee O'Connor of Xena Warrior Princess is 52. And actress Natalie Morales is 38. Thank you so much for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.